This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Squadron Leader Jack Steele and the Starblade by Chris Bedett. Episode 6 Mordred Takes a Bow. Having tracked Mordred to his lair in the south of Wales, Jack, Yvette and Bilkins have succeeded in penetrating his defences, only to find themselves trapped beneath the thrusters of his personal attack shuttle. Ten. Oh, the lights! At least we can see where we are now. And that definitely looks like some kind of spacecraft. Nine. The doors are sealed tight, and we'll never get to the top of that gantry in time to avoid the blast. Eight. Mon dieu, do have got so close. Seven. Hold on a mo. Look at those metal plates they've got stacked against that wall over there. Six. I see them, Charlie. But what do you have in mind? Five. Looks like the same metal they used for the skin of that spaceship. Must be spare parts. Four. And they've got to be fireproof. Otherwise the ship would just... Right, quickly everyone, get behind them. Three. Damn, they've moved off the video scope. I was so looking forward to witnessing their cremation. Two. One. Well, that should have done the trick. Indeed. Dispatch a zombie patrol to bring back their bodies. You'd better equip them with a dustpan and brush. Cool, blimey. I know what a Sunday race must feel like now. Well, at least our goose has only been parboiled and not totally cooked, old fellow. Thanks to those panels of yours. Listen, the doors have unsealed. They probably think we copped it. But there is someone coming. Zombies. Right, everyone stay low behind the panelling, but brace yourselves and be ready to push on my signal. That's it! Heave ho! Well, that's those three taken care of, but the old place must be swarming with them now. Well, old chap, as the saying goes, if you can't beat them... Good evening. This is the BBC National Programme, and here is the news. Astronomers from the Royal Observatory in Greenwich have reported the appearance of several bright objects at the very edge of the solar system. Chief Astronomer Cedric Spooner said today that the mysterious objects are following the same trajectory as Halley's Comet, which was last visible from Earth in 1910. This has led his scientists to conclude that they are pieces of debris which have broken off the main comet and are following in its wake. Mr. Spooner says that the objects will be visible to the naked eye in four or five days' time. And now, in other news... They'll certainly be visible, Samuel. The damn things will have landed. This is your invasion fleet, then, is it, Ambrosius? I'm afraid there can be no doubt about it. But now that the Starblade is ready for takeoff, at least humanity has a fighting chance again. Aye, that old sword of yours solved all our problems right enough once we'd melted it down and alloyed its metal with the hull plating. Now all we need is our pilot back, alive and well. Whoa! That's the ticket, old chap. Just the right sort of noise for a dead fellow. Dead, maybe, but I think he sounded more like a ghost than a zombie. Although I'm afraid to say that the smell is spot on. And 
Ouch, my foot! Oh gosh, I'm terribly sorry, Yves. I just can't seem to get the hang of this shambling. Well, that and wearing these overalls we took off the first lot has been enough to fool those last two patrols. They walked right by us. Yes, we've been lucky so far, but let's not take any unnecessary risks. Now I wonder what's through here. Cool, look at that! I mean to say, I've seen the BBC radio transmitters at the Alley Pally, but that thing makes them look tiny by comparison. Radio transmitter, eh? So either Mordred's looking to break into light entertainment, or this is where he sends orders to his zombie slaves. Yes, it must be. Look, over there, he has a microphone by his bank of controls. Maybe we could tell them all to jump off a cliff. But what if there is no cliff near them? Under an omnibus, then. Or to hand themselves in to the authorities. Actually, squadron leader, I think I might have a better idea. What's taking so long? They should have been back by now. I'm afraid your zombies are never going to be Olympic medalists, Mordred. Not unless they bring in a hundred-yard shamble. Which reminds me, are the Kexorians going to allow the Olympic Games to continue? They're being held in Berlin, and I was rather looking forward to going. I certainly hope so. Adolf has got us tickets for his private box. Just so long as I don't have to sit with that tiresome brown woman again. I really think that Wolfie should have more taste. Wolfie? Oh, nothing, just a little nickname of Adolf's. I'm beginning to wonder whether I should have sent Grigori on that Germany mission. Oh no, I really don't think that he was Adolf's type. That was my point. There. I reckon that should do it. Excellent work, Charlie. Um, do what exactly? Well, I bypassed the frequency regulator and rewired the vacuum tubes in parallel rather than sequence. This thing's transmitting a constant low-level signal, which I reckon is what keeps those zombies moving about. That all sounds very impressive, Charles. How do you know all this? Jack breaks a lot of radios, miss, along with the aeroplanes. Yes, thank you, Charlie. Uh, but what will it do? All you need to do is pull this lever, and providing it don't just explode, it will broadcast an unfiltered static pulse. There's a good chance it will permanently put the kibosh on whatever's animating them. Good chance? And what do you mean, if it don't just explode? Quick, never mind that. Now is the time to test it. Right you are, Mr. Lack. Here goes. <laughs> That did it! They've all collapsed to the floor! And judging by the smoke coming out of series, I do not think they will ever move again. Will it have worked on the ones outside this base? From the looks of this diagram, there are repeater stations set up all over the Empire. What happened to this bunch will have happened all over the world. Does that mean I can take off this horrible, stinky overall now? Just imagine, I will have to soak in the bath for a week to get rid of the smell. I... Uh... Crikey, I I mean... Maybe it's best you stop imagining that now, sir. Yes, yes, quite right. We haven't won until Mordred has dealt with. What is this treachery? My lord, I can explain. Or rather, I can't explain, but it wasn't me. Our sensors detected a worldwide radiographic pulse emanating from your headquarters, Mordred. Now, instead of having the humans as slaves, we will have to sterilize the major population centers from orbit. 
It will be decades before the planet becomes a useful vassal state for the Laxorian Empire. I'm sorry, my lord. Your signal's breaking up. What? The signal seems fine from here. No, sorry. I can barely hear you. Maybe if we retune the etheric antenna array. Thank you, Fraulein, although next time I'd appreciate you cutting the link a bit sooner. Now that Steel has somehow disabled our zombie troops, it is down to just you and me to find him. No need, Mr. Dreadmore, a Mordred. And no need to turn around either. Any sudden moves, and you'll regret it. Now, um, Miss? Von Schmidt. Ah, Miss Von Schmidt. Would you slowly remove that revolver with your finger and thumb, and then toss it towards the sound of my voice, please? Thank you. You can turn around now we're armed. You said that we would regret it. Yeah, miss. But it didn't add not as half as much as we will, though. So, Steel. As I'm sure you just heard, your petty victory here has doomed mankind. Had my plan succeeded, humanity would have entered a new golden age as part of the Caxorian Empire. There's only one empire I serve, Mordred, and that belongs to good King Edward. Now, I can see the suspicious-looking bulge in your pocket. Be so good as to reach inside and place whatever's there on the table. It's not a weapon. Nevertheless, on the table, please. See? Just some old star charts. I'll take those, thank you. Wait, Jacques, what is Helga doing? Stop her! Run, Mordred! She's cut the power! I can't see a thing! Charlie, get the power back up! Yvette, take my hand! We're going after them! Two. One. No good! They're getting away! Well, at least we've done what we came to do. I suppose we should get back to the Professor at the Windermere base. So, that... Is the Starblade. That she is, young man. The Starblade Mark I trans-etheric rocket vessel. Armed with quad-magnetic particle cannons and etheric torpedoes. Magnetic shielding and with a range and speed to take you from one end of the galaxy to the other. She is more beautiful than I ever imagined. Yeah, if you crash this jack, I won't be putting it back together in a hurry, I can tell you. With the star charts that you have brought back, you can take the fight to the enemy, my boy. I understand that you can have your pick of the RAF for your support crew. I'll take Charlie. And me, I hope. I'm not sure. I helped design this vessel, and you don't have time to learn everything for yourselves. Well, that's your crew of three, then. We're right under the lake, so we'll have to flood the hangar before launch. Good luck. Remember, my boy, your fight is only just beginning, but you have the legacy of your ancestors to support and guide you. With all due respect, Prof, I've got Charlie, and I've got Yvette, and that's the kind of support I'll really be counting on. And you are quite right to do so. Godspeed, Jack Steele. Hangar door ceiling in five, four, three, two, one. Water pumps activated. Launch cycle locked in. British Empire has been saved from subjugation by zombie puppets, but with an alien battle fleet and days from landing, the entire population of the world faces extinction. Humanity's one slim hope, a shining silver spacecraft piloted by a latter-day knight of the round table, his squire and his lady fair, 
Will they succeed in turning back the alien tide? Find out in Series 2 of Squadron Leader Jack Steele and the Starblade. In Mordred Takes a Bow, Jack Steele was played by Neil Frankham, Charlie Bilkins by James Harvey and Yvette Delac by Lucy Burton. Mordred was played by Nigel Potter and Helga von Schmidt by Lauren Orton. Bill McSweeney was Dr Brunel. Professor Sterling was played by Robin Orton and the BBC announcer was Simon Jones. The narrator was Guy Ranawira. Sound production by Frank Redding and original music composed and performed by Bill McSweeney. The episode was directed by Chris Burdett. Squadron leader Jack Steele and the Starblade is an It's a Trap production. This portion of the Mutual Audio Network is brought to you by Big Buddy's Kielbasa Barn, the biggest sausages in town. When you eat the inside, save the skin. They do double duty. Use the skin of a beef sausage as a canoe. Use the skin of a pork sausage as a silo. Use the skin of the all-meat sausage as a shelter for a family of five. Big Buddy's Kielbasa Barn, where the biggest kielbasa you've ever seen can double as a submarine. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>